Hello and welcome to Chronically Colon Narnia. This is our discussion of the Magician's Nephew, Chapter 14, penultimate chapter. Woo! This chapter is titled The Planting of the Tree. And my, uh, and hello, welcome. I am Frank's Queen Helen, <laughs> and also known as Kristen, and this is my co host, Brandy. You make that noise so much. I have a problem. Uh, I should have introduced myself as Frank, possibly, but, you know. Well, his, <laughs> his name is also Chris. Uh, you can call him Brandy Chris or King Frank, uh, apparently. <laughs> please, please don't. <laughs> um, throughout this podcast, we have been discussing uh, the Chronicles of Narnia chapter by chapter, and uh, we are almost done with The Magician's Nephew, which is really exciting. Happiest and news you've had all week. I'm very excited. <laughs> and um, we're still in the Christmas season here. Merry Christmas. Christmas is this week. So I hope that you have a wonderful holiday. And um, Chris, do you want to tell our audience what we're going to do first to introduce the chapter? Sure. Uh, sorry, a little distracted. Our uh, studio is going under a state of remodeling right now. And we just have furniture kind of all over the place in a haphazard way. Which literally all of you know, can see, and care about. Yeah, of course. I mean, that it's going it, to affect the quality of the audio. Absolutely going to affect the, the acoustics are just like crazy in here right now. There is a couch. <laughs> there is a couch on its side in the corner I'm, of the room. I'm letting the people know that we're making improvements to our studio and, you know, this all is in not, the name of... This is not an improvement <laughs> to the studio. This is a moving the couch because we got a new couch. Well... <laughs> I prefer to look at the positive side of things. Thank you. So anyway. if you follow us on Instagram, you might see our new couch in the background of my post for this episode that says, this episode is live. Exciting. Anyway, so the first thing that we do in these episodes is to go through <laughs> and we pick out five sentences from the chapter that we think summarize it well and tell the story that uh, we interpreted from the chapter. And let's just start with that to get ourselves a baseline. Uh, Kristen, do you want to go first and read your sentences? Yes, that's a good baseline. Okay. Uh -huh. um, sure, <laughs> I will go ahead and read my sentences first. If you, if you're not going to do a baseline as well with me. Faster than Jack Robinson. Faster than Jack Robinson. <laughs> We've got our sentences. Ahem. Let us now proceed to the coronation of King Frank of Narnia and Helen, his queen. It must have grown up silently, yet swiftly, as a flag rises when you pull it up on a flagstaff, while they were all busied about the coronation. She dare not come within a hundred miles of the tree, for its smell, which is joy and life and health to you, is death and horror and despair to her. It will not, in your world, give endless life, but it will heal. Pluck her an apple from the tree. Good. Uh, we chose two of the same sentences this time. We've done that before. Uh, we have. Uh, you did well, I think. Solid summary. Uh, with mine, I decided to you know, do something a little different, and all of my sentences are from the same perspective. All of them are quotes by Aslan. Okay. So let's, let's see where that goes. Let's see. 
starting with. Well done, said Aslan in a voice that made the earth shake. Let us now proceed to the coronation of King Frank of Narnia and Helen, his queen. Be just and merciful and brave. She dare not come within a hundred miles of the tree, for its smell, which is joy and life and health to you, is death and horror and despair to her. What I give you now will bring joy. I really like that last sentence. Sorry. I really like that last sentence. And we almost had three sentences in common because my last one was almost go pluck, pluck her, her an apple, apple from yeah. the tree. But then I, after my sentence four, that could have been like confusing and referring to the witch. Yes. So uh, decided to change it up. Yeah. But, I was worried about that with uh-huh. mine, that it would sound like we were talking about trying to give an apple from the tree. Uh-huh. I had in my first, because I'll go through... And I'll write my summary, just like major plot points, and then I'll go try to find sentences for each of them. Mm-hmm. That's my strategy on this. Um, and so my original just plot breakdown of this chapter only had three lines. Like usually it's got four or five. Uh-huh. My plot right breakdown was just plant apple, coronation, receive apple. <laughs> like that was my that was my three point summary. Now there is also and I I almost tried to include it in my summary uh, some discussion where we go back to Uncle Andrew and we have another aside, which is the rest of the Uncle Andrew subplot chapter yeah. that's now spread over three chapters. Uh huh. Um. So the Uncle Andrew subplot chapter involves Uncle Andrew being brought before Aslan and basically freaking out and Polly just being like, could you like. Put him out of his misery. Um, but really, she's asking Aslan to, like, unfrighten him is the word she used, which I really liked. Uh-huh. And Aslan is just like, nope, all I can do is put him to sleep. Yeah. So I was going to include a couple sentences about that because my plot was so, like, stripped bare. But then when I tried to put that plot into words, it was just the sentences weren't there. It was a struggle. Yeah. Uh, my I guess I had the opposite problem in that I struggled with just narrowing it down to five because there's so many sentences and lines in this chapter that are really good and poignant uh and i'll get to some of those as we go through and do our detailed breakdown but yeah it was really hard to come up with the five that i did uh so this isn't a very long chapter at all um i mean this is like a page shorter than most of the other ones have been uh but we do have a lot that happens and we start with planting the apple that we got in the last chapter which we do by throwing it at the ground and you know farming would be so much easier if this is how planting worked in the the real world (laughs) i thought it was interesting too that we've got this moment where um diggory has gone on this mission to go acquire this um apple and the first thing he does when he finally brings it back to aslan is aslan's like cool chuck it over there Uh (laughs) uh-huh like Solid throw. Well done. Throw it away. Uh Uh-huh. It's somewhere over there by the river. It doesn't really matter where, as long as it's there in the tree. In the tree. Yeah. Uh, You know. (laughs) Throw it in the tree. Throw it in the tree. It's going to be a tree. I don't know. Throw it in the mud. Yes, as long as it's there in the mud. Uh, So we plant the tree. Nothing happens at first. And we're just like, good. That'll work. But I really do like the fact that when he brings this back, and he says, well done. It resonates. And, like, 
Diggory, I couldn't remember his name for a second, is <laughs> Diggory is just filled with contentment. Uh-huh. And he also has this, like, deep knowledge that this is going to be, like, a story in Narnia. It's going to be a thing. Um, and we also then have um, something. What? We also have a direct response to the Queen's question of, like, what has he ever done for you? Uh-huh. Where, like, when Diggory walks back and gives it to Aslan, he's just, like, here, and Aslan's, like, well done. And Diggory receives this, like, contentment. Uh-huh. So, like, whether or not Aslan has offered him anything at this point, like, Diggory has received something in himself. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I just thought that that was in the last chapter when the queen's like, what has he ever done for you that you would do this for him? And, yeah. Anyway, that's all. Sorry. No, I, I, I get to there. Uh, but we we plant the tree. Nothing really happens. We immediately jump into the coronation. And, fun note, this is the first time in the book that we learn what the cabbie's name is. Frank! <laughs> it's Frank. It's King Frank. Well, I mean, it might be. Because I, we still haven't verified whether or not Nellie is a nickname for Helen. Um, uh, it, which it was follows. you, Sir Research, to, that was supposed to be responsible for that. We're going to say, yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> so if I've, that is the case, then we can assume that Helen was actually the yeah. cabbie's wife's name. This isn't like a flood situation where Aslan's just like, you're Frank now. <laughs> well, and I was hoping not. I'm going to uh-huh. turn some pages in my notebook. Hang on. Uh-huh. Page turning. Uh, and we have, you know, they somehow they get dressed in these royal gowns and whatnot. And yeah, where did the clothes come from? It, who knows? Later in the chapter, we have dwarves making crowns. Maybe there's like nymphs making clothes somewhere. Which, I mean, I don't know why anything in Narnia needs to know how to make clothes right now. Because they're, you know, they don't wear clothes. They're, well, you know. Maybe. Do they? I don't know. Do are the, the dwarves wear Are the dwarves clothes? naked? Because that gives an entirely different image to this whole situation. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> about that. <laughs> I guess. Anyway, uh, and their countenance changes, and their faces have a new expression, uh, is what it says, where they don't necessarily have a new identity, but they become more of themselves. Yeah. And they lose the... The, the harder parts of themselves that they gained. In that city life. <laughs> and they, yeah, when the and they lose the harder parts of themselves that they had gained when they were living in the city. Yeah. Um, so we have coronation. Well, this is, the, the, the structure of this chapter is kind of weird because I feel like the first bit of it is going to introduce things that we step aside from and then talk about other stuff and then come back to later. It's not just like, here's A and B and C. It's here's A, then we're going to jump to F real quick and we'll come back to B. Um, Yeah, I mean, I feel like everything that involves Uncle Andrew, we can just call, like, Andrew plot. uh So we have, like, Apple story. uh And then we're jumping back to Coronation story. Then yeah. we have this aside to Andrew story. Which is like back, two pages, like again. And then back to Coronation story, uh-huh. which is a big chunk. And then back to Apple story, yeah, which good. is then back to the story that was introduced in like chapter 
five or six uh-huh. when the the first reference from the lady who brought grapes to you know Diggory's mom, uh-huh. the first reference to the tree of life was made, and Diggory was like, "I have a quest now." <laughs> And we've just, like, come back to that, which wasn't even, like, the original plot. Yeah. And is now the plot of the book as a whole. Yeah. Uh, Which is interesting because um, it brings me back to, like, when we had um, stopped by uh, Steve's house and he had picked up a copy of the book uh of The Magician's Nephew. And the cover of it, I don't remember which edition it was, but the cover was... The silver apple uh-huh. reflecting like the witch's face and, and Diggory's face and stuff like that. And he was like, I don't know why that's the cover because that's like such a subplot. And it's it's true, but also like at this point is the main plot. Like once you get to chapter 14, it's like the main plot is just that Diggory wants to get this apple and get home. But it's such a muddied plot line uh-huh. from beginning to end. That yeah, yeah I, it was an interesting choice on that particular writing editing staff's behalf to make that the cover. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, because it's a book that everybody hates and shouldn't be in the canon apparently. Well, um, I mean, like <sighs> when I was growing up, we had a collection of the Chronicles of Narnia books, and I don't even remember which editions they were, but I, 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 my parents still own them. They're still on the shelf at their house if they're not in a box because they just moved. But they had uh, the cover of The Magician's Nephew was the two children holding hands flying up out of a pond with the witch coming up behind them holding Polly's hair. Uh Like that's the cover art that I associate with The Magician's Nephew Uh is two kids falling through the air with a witch holding on behind them. Yeah. Um... Which I feel like is is more telling of the actual, like, more representative of the overarching story. Uh-huh. So. I gotcha. Uh, cover so, art conversations aside. <laughs> we can get back to your yeah. breakdown. Cover cover art conversations. Will, maybe we'll do a whole episode at the end of the whole series on cover art. <laughs> and uh, just talk about that real quick. Um, maybe that'll be our first Patreon episode. So let's let's, I guess, talk about what happens with... Uncle Andrew, because that's a good 25% of this entire chapter. Yeah. And we should probably talk about it, even though it's my least favorite plot in any book ever. Um, you mean Brandy. <sighs> yeah. Let's just call him Brandy. Old Brandy. Uh, he, he gets caged up. He is in prison now. Mm-hmm. Which <laughs> is interesting. Um, it's an interesting choice on the part of the animals, but I also feel like... There's a sentence that they, that I love, that says they were really getting quite fond of their strange pet and hoped that Aslan would allow them to keep it. Uh-huh. And I loved that sentence so much. It just, uh-huh. it really, really put it into like a whole other setting for me. Uh-huh. Uh, there, there is my want to talk about here, and I think this we can dive into a little bit because I think it is kind of intentional and brilliant writing and that it says he is imprisoned in this cage the animals come up with and there's three things in the cage it's not just uncle andrew there's uncle andrew and there's two trees and one of them is gold and one of them is silver mm-hmm. as you know a pocket change fell out of his pockets and what? landed and sprung into trees much the same way the young lamppost did 
which is something I asked about when we first had his change falling out of uh-huh. his pocket. I was like, is this going to grow into a, <laughs> like a, a tree that grows coins? Mm-hmm. It's just straight up a gold tree yeah. and a silver tree. Yeah. And the same way that we had the toffee tree, but he is, uh, imprisoned with these things. Like the imagery of that is yeah. really, really like powerful. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to, wanted to get into a little bit is that this, this was his entire dream for this place come true. Oh like, yeah. This is exactly what he wanted, but he's found himself trapped by it. Yeah. And, Which, and, and I, I mean, even then you have Aslan's words to him when he is saying that he's closed himself off to being able to hear uh-huh. when he says, um, um, oh, Adam's son, how cleverly you defend yourself against all that might do you good. That that's, you know, if I spoke to him, he would hear only growlings and roarings. Yeah. Which, I mean, is very much what we talked about when we first had the conversation about Andrew and the animals um, with him not being able to hear them because he'd chosen not to hear. Like, you're hear- he's hearing what he expects to hear and not what's actually happening. Uh-huh. So, yeah, he is, he is, not only has he, like, closed himself off to the, the, the reality and magic of this place... Uh-huh. But he's also gotten exactly what he wanted out of this place. There's just growing gold and silver. Yeah. And he is caged by it. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. absolutely cool. Uh, I mean, he, he, though, even the warthog decided he was alive at this point. Yeah. Uh, we've established that he is an animal. Yeah. And we have all the animals trying to feed him various things. Yes. The birds are <laughs> flying by and dropping worms on him. Bear chucks a whole honey uh, hive, a comb, beehive. Yeah. Not honey. all of the bees were dead. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, and, and we have our bit of slapstick comedy there where, like, the animals are chucking bees at him and worms and nuts, nuts and, and he's, you know, falls down onto his bottom, onto a pile of thistles. <laughs> And yeah. this this great imagery we have is kind of tempered by this, oh, you know, Uncle Andrew is just the comedic relief at this point. I think it's interesting, though, because this is like, this is one one night later uh-huh. where the kids had, like, been sent on this mission, failed to ask for food, and, like, had to just eat the toffees that they happened to have with them in order to not be miserable. Uh-huh. And then, like, on the other side of their adventure, you have old brandy caged up in a in a tree fort that the animals built for him uh-huh. being pelted with nuts and fruit and honey and all of the food that the kids would have gladly eaten had they been able to find a nut or a fruit or a honeycomb uh-huh. and like he never asked for any of this he didn't ask for food either and he yeah. was provided abundant food and was more miserable than the kids you think there's something there? Is there something you want to expand on there from a allegorical standpoint? Or I, I mean, I just think that it's an interesting like parallel where you have the kids who failed to ask for something that they would need uh-huh. and didn't have it but managed to be less miserable than the person who also didn't ask for what he needed uh-huh. and got what he didn't want and was more miserable. Like. Yeah. Yeah, I, 
I feel you there. Uh, I just feel like it. It's repeated imagery in a way where it's just like here's here's one group of people who didn't get you know, who didn't ask for food, didn't get food, and were still happier and more comfortable uh-huh. than this person who didn't want or ask for food and was just smothered in it and was absolutely miserable. I think it very much like just shows how. Like, it's, it's just reiterating the point that Uncle Andrew has decided that he's not going to, you yeah. know, be a part of this world in any kind of positive way. I gotcha. Um, so then we have one of your questions answered, uh, where it was when you're not in the last chapter, but in one of the previous chapters where we were talking about things springing up, that you were just like, oh, is this the way the world operates? Uh, where, you know... There's just this essence of creation and things. Yeah, just why up. did the toffee tree grow up? That was my... And then Aslan is just like, no, you you know, he's wrong about all this. That's the way it is now, and it's going to be this way for a couple days. But, like, the energy of creation is wearing out, and then it's going to stop and just be, you know, static. Not static, but the natural. process of creation is done. Well, it's going to go to a natural order. Mm. Of, of growth and birth and death and everything. Yeah. And I think that that's a little... I mean, like, I get it and I understand and I definitely appreciate it because he still needed to have that creative energy out there in order to be able to grow the tree, to protect Narnia, etc. Uh-huh. On that same note, though, like, where did the dwarves get all of their tools? Like... <laughs> Did they just like pick up a rock and plant it with the intention of it becoming a, like an iron ore anvil uh-huh. or something like that? Like while this creative energy is in effect, they don't have to build things or like did they did they like plant a cotton ball and it became clothing for the king and queen? Like Yeah. It like there's no explanation on how these things, these tools, these clothes like came into being or existence at all. There's no explanation for it. So they just have anvils and forges to be able to make a pair of crowns and like the 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 moles were able to dig around and find gems yeah. just like chilling. Which it which I mean it even says from nowhere as it seemed piles of dry brushwood and hammers and tongs and those they just have these things. Yes, and so was all of that created by Aslan with the dwarves? He was like, I can't create dwarves without also creating forges for them. Because I, I like, feel like dwarves, as an aside, I feel like dwarves are very pigeonholed here. Like yes. dwarves always have to be, you know, the people who build things, and like that's just what they do. Yes, also <laughs> like why couldn't, you know, dwarves be the rulers of Narnia and yeah. not humans? Like, yep. yeah, that's, I mean, like they... I, it feels like they are classified with, you know, like they're created separately from the from the animals, the beasts, the talking beasts. Uh-huh. But it also feels like they are still uh, classified in a different category than, than yeah. humans. Like you have the dwarves and the nymphs and the dryads, uh-huh. you know, and you separately have the talking beasts and you separately have the untalking beasts and you separately have humans i mean within the talking beasts even you have the leaders of the beasts who are you know their own little circle yeah they're the council and you know there's no dwarves on the council which if i was a dwarf i'd be pretty cross at all this um (laughs) say what you want to about my height later um but before we yeah we have the dwarf section but i i wanted to spend a little more time in this uh this thing that 
happens with Aslan and Uncle Andrew when he brings him out of the cage, where Aslan's just like, yeah, can't do anything for him. Like, in all of my infinite power, like, he has made himself unable to hear my voice. I can't talk to him. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's something, uh, powerful. I mean, and I think that that's, I, I, I don't know. I like, I like that. I like Uh that there is a kind of, you know, just like there is a, not there's a limit to what Aslan can do, but there's a limit to what Aslan can do in this situation where Uh like he can, he can still put him to sleep. He can still give him the, that kind of peace. Which is like, which is kind of, I don't know, I wouldn't say it's dark, but it's like a, this moment where Aslan's just like, there's the only thing I can do for him is put him to sleep. Yeah. Which I, I, I feel like if we, you know, if this was Tolkien, and we are going for more of like an adult storyline. This is the moment where Aslan would just be like, "Mercy killing. This is the only thing I can do for him. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna put him down." Yeah. Uh, but it's kid's story. <laughs> um. I also think it's a really funny the when Polly is like, he'll try to come back and he'll try to use the magic. Like, can you convince him that this isn't, you know, blah 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 blah? He'll try to send people. You know, and Aslan's like, just, do you think he wants to come back? <laughs> like, uh-huh. After all that. Do you think he wants to? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, so, uh, that happens. Uh, Andrew is just asleep, and that's... And that's I, done. Andrew's set aside. Yeah. Carry him away. And I, 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 we only have one more chapter left in this book. I'm not sure if his story ends right here or if we have an epilogue with him uh, in the next chapter. But that's kind of his the end of his story, which is very anticlimactic, I guess. He gets caged up and then put up, put to sleep, and that's just, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a story with a lack of redemption mm-hmm. of any kind if it ends right there. Uh-huh. Which is... Again, like you said, kind of dark. Yeah. Uh, and then we have the dwarves come out, and the dwarves come out with all of their magical tools that spring out of nothingness, and they have this whole, you know, montage. There's a dwarf montage where we make crowns and stuff for the king and queen. I don't know why, but for something, some reason, the way that you say crowns, I think you're trying to say crayons. Because <laughs> like, you just watched that video about pronunciation in English. It, probably, but like for <laughs> some reason, every time that you say they make crowns, I'm like, you mean crayons? No, they don't make crayons for the king and queen. They make crowns. The things that go on your head. Yeah, not ugly crowns <laughs> like they that they have in England. Nope. But, but beautiful ones that make you look better by wearing them. Ones that you can wear. And uh, maybe that says something about, like, the idea of what royalty is in England versus what it is here. Hmm. And, like, the crowns that they wear back on Earth don't make you look beautiful. And they were just symbols of, you know, oppression or what have you. Uh, to any of our British listeners listening, I, I'm, I'm sorry if I've offended you uh, by you know, besmirching the monarchy. Sorry, it's Amanda. Not, <laughs> it's not, not my intention. Uh, as far as I've heard, the queen's a lovely person. Don't know if she has a crown, though. I'm sure she does somewhere. She has a crown. It's, they're the crown jewels. They're yeah. kept yeah, but like, in the Tower of London. But like, when's, They're called the crown jewels for a reason. It's like I've never seen like a picture of Queen Elizabeth wearing a crown. So, like, whatever. Anyway, uh... <laughs> So we have dwarf montage, we make the crowns for the king and queen, 
there's the uh, speech. Aslan, Aslan talks a lot in this chapter. Gives them a speech. Basically just tells them, hey, rise up. Be just. Be merciful. Tells them that they're, you know, they're going to father the the children that are going to rule the Isles and Arkenland and all these other places. No, uh, he says Narnia and the Isles of Arkenland. He only no, says two places. He says, he says, rise up, king and queen of Narnia, father and mother of many kings that shall be in Narnia and the Isles and Arkenland. Oh. Whatever. So, <laughs> I was reading it as you said that. Uh, and we don't really, I, I guess... We hear more about those later, I'm imagining, as somebody who has only read uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I'm not really familiar with these other lands that are elsewhere. Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Yeah, and we uh, we go there eventually, but that's that's more backstory that I guess we needed. Um, and then we, in our kind of our ABC CBA rhyme scheme, we go back to the Apple story. Yep. Um, I... I I, I'll, another aside, I'll say I do think it's curious that there's a that the queen, king and queen don't really have any dialogue here. Yeah, Frank, Frank, and Helen don't say anything. Yeah, like there's just whole at coronation. this point. Yeah, <laughs> Helen is now queen of Narnia, and she's had like one line that was like, "Polly wants to go with him." Oh, <laughs> in the entire book. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll those, leave that there. Those powerful, influential women. <laughs> well, we'll go into a rant on that in our uh, summary episode that we do at the end of this book. <laughs> um, so then we have, look, everyone in the crowd turns their head, and we have this tree that just comes up. Like, the apple tree finally decided to grow. And it becomes a... It decided. Uh-huh. Like, it <laughs> a choice. It's just like, eh. Oh, speaking of which... The title of this chapter, I was going to bring this up right at the very beginning. The title of this chapter is The Planting of the Tree. Uh-huh, which happens they in the first paragraph. They didn't plant a tree. Wow, yeah. They planted. <laughs> he he chucked an apple in the mud. <laughs> like, at best, he planted an apple. Yeah. Okay? Like, if... It, I know this is just pedantic rant, but, uh-huh. like, it is not the planting of the tree. It is the planting of the apple, uh-huh. which will grow into the tree. Yeah. Anyway, I I can calm down now. Uh-huh. Calm down. Um, Don't so, tell me to calm down. <laughs> so the tree comes up, and then we go into, Pop you know... goes the tree! A little more philosophical discussion about uh, the witch and how the witch is going to respond to this. Okay, yeah. So the witch responding to this. I had lots of notes about this. Uh-huh. Um, and by lots, I mean two. Um, because it's going to take me into a side thing that is going to make lots. But we have, we have this idea of the witch is going to be kept away by the smell of this tree, which she will now detest because she has eaten of the tree. Seems very circular. Yes. And so I put in my notes, detesting that which gave life fruit and smell. Like, we have this example of the witch having stolen the fruit, Mm -hmm. and it has created within her, like, this, this detesting or this, like, disdain for the fruit itself. And, like, Aslan says, if you had stolen the fruit and taken it to your mother, 
there would come a time when you would both thought it would have been better if she had died from the illness rather than that you had given her the fruit. Mm-hmm. And so it's like this idea that that the stolen fruit results in this kind of like damage cursed and cursed existence. And so the queen's curse, if you will, is to not be able to tolerate the fruit that gave her this life and ability to grow in her dark magic. Uh-huh. Like, this ability of her to stay alive. Which, one, how did she ever even know it was there? Like, she just, like, she dipped and then ended up there and stole the thing. And how did she know How she know what it was? How'd she do that? Like, no explanation there. No, don't worry about it. We don't need to know that. Just pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> but then we have this, like, just... And if she hadn't eaten the fruit, then... Would Narnia be protected by this tree? I would assume not, because yeah. it is the fact that she has eaten the fruit that has cursed her to not be able to tolerate the tree and be able to go within a hundred miles of the tree, so she can't go within a hundred miles of the tree, which is the land of Narnia. Yeah. And so you have this very circular thing where Aslan was like, Go get this fruit, which the witch is already on her way to steal, and I know that, and she's going to successfully steal it at the same time that you pick the apple, uh-huh. and then you're going to be able to bring it back and plant it. And because she has stolen it uh-huh. and eaten of the fruit, because that happened, this tree will now protect. But you picked the apple for me before she stole the apple. Uh-huh. Like, she took the bite of the apple after Diggory was already walking out of the garden. Yeah. Like... I don't know, like, yeah, cool, Aslan, you know some things, but also, like, not cool, this is so, like, twisted. We've gone into, like, hardcore determinism here. Yeah, yes, like, this has just taken this hard turn into this very much, like, Aslan knew everything that was going to happen, end of conversation. Yeah, I mean, that's the age-old conversation of, you know, if... God is omniscient and he knows all things and why does the problem of evil exist and, you know, all this, does God know evil's going to happen and just that's the way it is and all that whole conversation which we could have an entirely separate podcast about and never get to the bottom of. I also think that it's interesting how um, Aslan says that if Diggory had stolen the apple it still would have protected Narnia. So the queen still would have been cursed by it, question Uh mark. Um, But it would have cursed Narnia as well to become like Charm. Uh Uh-huh. This kind of dark and brooding and torture chamber place. Another possible reference to uh, the Narnia being Charm theory. Yeah, I mean, it's very much a possibility. Uh Hmm. Uh-huh. History repeats itself, as it were. So... What is it that's protecting Narnia with this tree? (sighs) This isn't a philosophical question. There's an answer in the text. Oh, yeah. I mean, the answer in the text is that, you know, that... The answer in the text is the smell of the tree. Yeah. The smell of the tree. So, returning to our chapter on noses... (laughs) The smell of the tree is what is protecting Narnia. The queen can't go within a hundred miles of the smell of this tree. Maybe that's how she found the first one. I mean, maybe that's how she found the first one. Also, 
we have once again brought back up the topic of smell. <laughs> Aslan's name is an anagram for nasal. Uh, we had a discussion the among the animals about about how smelling isn't everything. Uh-huh. So, haha, elephant, got you. <laughs> um, so that sagacious elephant who was just like, oh well, <laughs> smelling isn't everything. You know, noses are good for all kinds of things. <laughs> well, mine is. <laughs> Well, you know what, sagacious elephant? You calm yourself because smelling is what's keeping you safe. The witch gets a cold, she can come right up in here. So we're talking about, uh, you, you think it's literally the smell that is that is doing this. It this says isn't, uh, it in the book. This isn't like a, a metaphor. It says it in the book. <laughs> Don't sit there and be like, am I thinking this? No. No, I know says it says it. it. I'm just saying this could be a metaphor. This could be, you know. The smell, the aura, the je ne sais quoi of the tree. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't speak French and you butchered that. I, sorry to our French listeners. Um, I, this is why I don't try to speak other languages. I don't do it well. <laughs> Kristen stopped me very early on in our relationship in trying to speak Spanish. Um, <laughs> I didn't stop you. <sighs> I didn't stop you. Uh-huh. I encouraged you to try to speak Spanish, not whatever you were speaking. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, so then the children have the conversation where, well, not the children. Polly has the conversation where she tells Aslan what happened with the witch eating the apple because Diggory just forgot this, apparently, and wasn't going to mention it until Polly brought it up. Uh, he didn't want to look a fool. <laughs> Um, because they were whispering and Aslan's like, what's up? And Diggory's like, well, the witch ate an apple and left it at that. And Polly was like, so how can the tree protect us from her if she already ate the apple? Which she was willing to say and Diggory wasn't because he was not willing to look the fool. And Aslan's just like, logic. This is, (sighs) that's exactly the reason that it will protect. Because she did. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, and then we get to one of my, my favorite parts in this entire book is because I I don't know, I think it's it's deep and it speaks to me on, on some personal level mm-hmm. where we have Aslan, you know, shakes his head and says things always work according to their nature. She got what she wanted. Like the apple is just the apple. The apple works. Yeah. Like it's all about the intention of what you're doing with it. Which is also, I mean, that kind of harkens back to our discussion of how the creative energy of Narnia was playing into the creation of things. Like, mm. when the lamppost pole was thrown, and the lamppost grew up from it. Like, did it have some essence of lamppost in it? Was it intended to be a lamppost, yeah. and therefore became a lamppost? Uh-huh. You know, so the thing itself is just the thing, and it's how you use it that's going to... Yeah. affect what your results are and if, if i mean if we're going to tie this into like our ongoing theological discussion we could uh your ongoing yeah yeah you know my discussion. ongoing theological rant that i drag you into we could compare this with the uh you know the idea that everything is permissible and not all things are beneficial you're getting new the, testament the, the, yeah, we're still we're, talking about <laughs> the creation no, there we're getting a little new testament where you know we have this new testament idea where there is no existent thing which is inherently evil there is nothing you can partake in and nothing you can do which is evil in and of itself and you know outside of like actively hurting people but it's about your intention 
Hmm. And so, you know, the apple is just a thing. It's not good, it's not evil, and it's entirely about what you do with it that, you know, changes your outcome. Yeah. I mean, I, I like that idea that the things always work according to their yeah. nature. And the line is so fine that even if Diggory were to take it and take it to his mother, which we might look at on the surface and be like, this is a selfless act. He's trying to heal his mother. Which technically would even still follow the rules of the sign on the garden, which said don't take for yourself, but yeah. take for another. But even then, it wouldn't have worked out well because Diggory was still taking it for his own desires. Like, it's a very fuzzy gray area, I guess. Yeah. But, mm. but yeah, we would still have Diggory ending up with his mother healed, but it would be a cursed existence, essentially. Yeah. Like if she drank unicorn blood. It's a That's <laughs> what so I've been thinking of this entire time. Um, <laughs> so we then have this kind of question of like, if so we have this kind of question of if it was a stolen apple the result of healing would be the same uh-huh but the result for the life lived after would be different yeah where is that coming from because the thing itself is acting according to its nature the apple is giving her the life. Uh-huh. But where is that? Like, the question is, what is causing the the fallout here? Magic. Is it, gotta... I mean, is it just karma magic? Like, out and about in the world trying to hunt yeah. for people who stole things? I don't know. That's we need a companion text like this is our this is our prequel text that explains things in Narnia. We need a, a separate companion text to this, you know, a, a, a Cimmerillion, if you will, <laughs> that we go really into the nuts and bolts of this universe and why things work the way they do. I you know? mean, I just like I I I want to know where the karma's coming from. Like, what is is that the deep magic? Uh huh. Um, also on the subject of magic aslan says that when the queen ran away to the north she will continue to live and grow in dark magic yep which is like giving her the opportunity to get stronger and stronger in her dark magic and learn how to use her magic here in this world yeah which i don't think we have the time to go into like why aslan is permitting this to happen because then that's just going back into the question of evil and you know we we won't get anywhere with that but it, on the surface, it seems kind of dumb. That yeah. it's just like, yeah, no, she's going to go up there. She's going to get more strong, powerful and strong. But, you know, this this little circle of Narnia, is that, we're going to be fine. It's, Which, this, this is good. I mean, it's becoming <laughs> my pet theory that this is Charn and she has a right to be there. Like, I, I don't... I mean, uh, people can argue with me in the comments, but I don't... I don't see any other, like... That's the explanation that makes it okay for me. Uh-huh. And so I, I need that explanation in order for me to be okay with <laughs> Aslan letting this happen. Uh-huh. I mean, if you want to, we can go into a discussion about how she parallels with Satan and the idea of the fall of Lucifer and, you know, why God lets Satan have free reign over the earth and all that goodness. I don't think you want to. 
No, in this I episode. don't. Okay, so we won't. <laughs> um, feel free to tweet at us with your theories about and your comparison and contrasting with that, though. Comparison. Uh, yeah, it's a word. Uh, anyway, and then the chapter ends with Diggory finally gets what he wants, uh, and Aslan gives him the apple and says, "Hey, you're free to take it now. You can do it. Like mm. this whole your quest is complete." And Diggory's like, can I go home now? <laughs> yeah, I probably want to at that point. I mean, that's that's what I ask at the end of, like, every work shift. <laughs> can I go home now? Uh-huh. But you're in charge of that. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and that's, that's that. Diggory gets what he wants. Polly, you know, continues to not be a character. Uh, we have a king and queen now, and I feel like... I'm not sure what happens in the next chapter, but this chapter wraps up pretty much all of the plot ends. Yeah, uh, I mean... Except for, you know, them getting back to Earth and Diggory's mother getting healed, which we know is going to happen now. Yeah, so the next chapter is probably going to be a sum up of Diggory getting back. Uh-huh. Um, uh, Brandy getting back. Sorry, Uncle Andrew getting back. Um, and... We'll probably have Aunt Letty nursing a big bruise on her head. and She got chucked across the room. And Diggory's mom getting better. And then Diggory and his mom moving away and never seeing Polly again. I think that's, that'll, yeah, cool. Yep, probably what happens, <laughs> but we'll get there next week. Uh, so before we go and do our wrap-up of the chapter and, you know, do our final thoughts, uh, let's go to our hex, let's go to our recurring segment that we call Narnia. Chopped and screwed. And screwed. Hashtag. Uh, and in this segment, we go through and find five more sentences and completely rewrite a story, come up with our own thing that's just based on what's already there and, you know, using what the land gave us, so to speak. And so... Farming. Farming. Yep. And we'll go in and uh, I'll do mine first since you did your summary first. Why not? I'll preface this by saying this is... If not my number one, one of my favorite stories I've been able to do. This uh, is one of my least favorite I've done, book. so I'm glad. I'm glad that we're getting something good out of this. So this is not the book I want. The book I want is down here. Yeah. Why do we have two <laughs> of those same a, notebooks in that's here? That's a great question. So here's my Narnia Chopped and Screwed story. More dwarves than you could dream of rushed forward to the golden tree. Next moment... How the dwarves loved their work. The fire was blazing, the bellows were roaring, the gold was melting, the hammers were clinking. Their faces had a new expression, especially the king's. For this fruit you have hungered and thirsted and wept. For the fruit always works, it must work, but it does not work happily for any who pluck it at their own will. Okay. I like the world that you created. Mm -hmm. I really like the world and the vision that you created. Mm -hmm. I uh, like with the the dwarves and going into the the kings. Um, I don't know where the fruit comes into your story. Uh, I mean, my my idea... Because you're just writing this story again. Well, no, my my idea behind this was, you know, to, to go back to Tolkien... It's the, the idea of what happens in the minds of Moria and the, the, the dwarves are too greedy and dug too deeply. Yeah, and yeah. this thing where they, you know, they go after this tree and they're consumed by it. 
Yeah. Because the for the fruit always works, it must work. But not well for the people who take it at their will. Okay. The that was my Oh well, there the, you the, go. The downfall of a race, I guess. Ah, I see. <sighs> so I liked it. Anyway. I like it I like it more now that I'm thinking of the tree as a tree with fruit and not the gold tree because I had it in my head that they were rushing towards the gold tree uh-huh. and not as them rushing towards a fruit tree and then we have this turnaround back to the fruit later. Uh-huh. I do like it. Thank you. What is your story? What is my story? We should start titling our rewrites, you know, in the next yeah. in the next, <laughs> next book. book. That's a new segment. This time he found he could look straight into the lion's eyes. They were really getting quite fond of their strange pet and hoped that Aslan would allow them to keep it. Do you think he wants to, said Aslan. Yes, but don't buzz in my ear like that, said Polly. Please, he said. May we go home now? Okay. Okay, so what's your idea here? Um, they're at, they're at, they're, they got a pet. And, got a pet lion? Yeah. <laughs> and it's Aslan and Polly, and, uh, and they got a, they've pet, got a pet lion. No, they've got a, <laughs> no, Aslan's not a lion yeah. in this yeah. story. Okay. I'm not maintaining the integrity of the characters of that book. I'm writing a new story. Yeah. About two people named Aslan and Polly who got a pet lion. And, you know, doesn't work out well. Yeah. Don't buzz in my ear. Please, may we go home now? Uh-huh. Aslan's just done. Uh, as a you know, as a throwback to that line uh, in the chapter, I I just had this image in my head of like if you were just kind of standing there as a small human, and then just a horse just leans down and whispers in your ear. That's that's got to be weird. Uh, just suddenly, there's just a giant horse right there. You're like, hey, what do you think? <laughs> Um, but her response is to describe it as buzzing. Yeah. Like, apparently if a horse whispers, it sounds like a buzz. Well, he's got wings now. Maybe he's just like a giant bee. I was trying, on the subject, I was trying really hard to get that line about buzzing to tie in with the hive that the bear threw at Uncle Andrew. You wanted to make a bee story? I did want to make a bee story. Right. Bees? <laughs> but the only time the bees are mentioned is in a parenthetical statement that says not all of the bees were dead. And I was like, well, that doesn't work with my story. Uh-huh. And then the, the honeycomb is mentioned, but the hive itself is only mentioned like once, and it's specifically mentioned with the bear in the sentence. So I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't make it work. That's unfortunate. I was disappointed. There might be more bees in the next book. Bees? Bees. Uh, so before we close out, let's uh, go into our final segment here where we talk about just a sum up of the chapter. We review it. We give it a rating based on a, a five-star system. And our stars are always a stand-in. There's always a stand-in for the stars, rather. Uh, that's that's something. And Kristen usually comes up with these. I don't know why you keep saying the word stars. I don't know. Uh, How about silver apples that shine like stars under the leaves? <sighs> We'll rate it from one to five silver Silver, trees. Silver silver trees, silver apples. One to five brandies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's go silver apples. Why not? Okay. One to five dark magics. I I feel like that's so on the nose, but we'll do it. Um, So because of the way this works and the way that Kristen likes to subvert my 
entire system, I have to go first. So let me talk about my sum up of the chapter. Um, I like this one a lot. I feel like had the book ended in this chapter, it would have worked. Hmm. Like, no. Ha- maybe, like the, the last chapter is going to feel like epilogue. Like, yes, it is but... just going to be epilogue because the story is done. Yes, except right here, here. that they've created a new main plot after chapter <sighs> six of him trying to get the apple for his mom. Yeah, and that's it's implied that that happens. But yeah, we'll we'll go through that, and that's the only major thing we have to really like tie up. Um, but other than that, I I liked it. Uh, even though this is like part four of the really dumb Uncle Andrew story, and that works its way in there, I would have liked the book better if he just like disappeared when we got to Narnia and never came back. <laughs> Like, it's fun. Yes, but it would have been, like, two chapters shorter. Yeah, all the animals that, you know, they had fun with them, and, like, we got so much discussion about noses, and that's great. It is important. (laughs) They're important. Um, Yeah, a lot of really great lines from Aslan in this, and there's a lot of uh, exposition about, you know, deep concepts, like the nature of things and, you know, the good and evil and all these things. Uh, these are things the though i guess this if there's one complaint i have is this chapter is really aslan heavy and like nobody else really gets dialogue like diggory and polly and the king and queen and you know they're all just kind of side background characters to this story that's happening so in this penultimate chapter of the book what i would have liked to have seen more would be more of diggory's perspective which we get a little bit of at the end but just more of his perspective on all the events so far. Uh, you know, as he is the titular character of the book, he is the protagonist. The book is mainly about his adventure. And so the fact that we see so little of him in this second-to-last chapter is an interesting decision. Uh, but overall, good. I'll give it uh, 3.8 silver apples out of four. There's, you know, that's four silver apples. One of them has a bite taken out of it. Okay. Just like one bite, yeah, like a full quarter of the apple, just like a or... big old, big old bite, big old, big old ch- chomperoo, <laughs> chomperoo. <laughs> it's you know, this morning at breakfast I took a chomperoo or two of my biscuits. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. You got a candy bar? Can I have a chomperoo of it? All right. I give this chapter a chomperoo. <laughs> That's my rating. Uh-huh. Um, I agree with you. I feel like Diggory, as the titular character of the book, has kind of just gotten lost in this chapter. Um, but with that said, this chapter is not about Diggory. He is the titular cha- like titular item. He is the, the, the name of the book is the magician's nephew. It's uh-huh. Diggory. But the very first sentence of the book says that this book is setting forth to explain how all of the comings and goings of the land of Narnia first began. Mm -hmm. So the intention of this book is to explain how Narnia, uh, how people came to be able to come and go to Narnia in the rest of the books. So with that said, the story has done its job and its intention. I agree with you that if the intention of the story is just to explain how the comings and goings of Narnia is like had first began, we almost gotten there. Uh-huh. There is an element of what happens in the last chapter that is necessary to explaining the further like the rest of that. So 
there are things that happen and how people get to Narnia later that are explained in that last chapter. Uh So with what this book said in the first chapter is its intention to do, I feel like this chapter is doing that. Mm -hmm. And so it's laying a groundwork for what Narnia is for later chapter for later books to then say, you know, this is this is Narnia. Uh-huh. However, it is the entire book is written as a prequel to say you already have knowledge of this. I'm explaining it now. But this chapter is saying we're founding this royal lineage in Narnia, which does not affect anyone because when the Pevensies come to Narnia in the in the Lion the Witch and the Wardrobe, you have Narnia king and queenless. And they are established as monarchs at the end of that book. Spoilers! And Uh, so we have the two, uh, like, two kings and two queens of Narnia established at that point in the story. And that is when we, uh, um, that is when this kind of idea of a monarchy or a, a, a royal house comes back into Narnia. So this chapter is just establishing that there are kings and queens in Narnia, and that's all it's doing as a prequel. But it's setting up, like, a story for Narnia, which may or may not influence later. So, I mean, yeah. Uh, what did we call it? A, a chomp... A chomperoo. A chomperoo. I was going to say a chompwoggy or... <laughs> like a pugwudgy, but <laughs> a chompwoggy. Um, so, yeah, I'll give this chapter a chompwoggy. <laughs> Chomperoo. Oh, so if you, uh, you know, have any thoughts on that or arguments against it or, you know, things that we didn't cover, feel free to get at us. You could uh, also send us your cover art of Chomperoo, <laughs> the Chompwalkie's adventure. I don't know if I want to see that, um, but you can. <laughs> Follow us at Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, tweet or twit or something at us <laughs> at Chronically Pod on Twitter. Or you can email us at chronicallypodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, last chapter, next week, exciting times. Merry Christmas. Have a wonderful Christmas. And we will see you again before the new year. Au revoir. Bye. (laughs) Yes? just said twit yeah (laughs) sorry you can twit at us you can tweet or twit us (laughs) so i'll tell you what i want what i really really want tell me what you want what you really really want i think i did this one already tell me why (laughs) i was trying to make it an arnia thing and i just can't And welcome to another episode. Uh, I'll reiterate Kristen's point because, you know. Because that's that, all you're here for that's is all. to make sure that I said it, you know, perfectly fine, but you said it too. I'm a hype man. I just so, echo you and back you up. So before he can do that, 